Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea. I'm here again today with Chris, and we are in Revelation. Um, Still a couple messages to the churches, and then some scrolls and seals are broken and some worship happens. Uh, Actually, some very beautiful passages Mm. of scripture in here um, that I love a lot. But I would love to start off this episode by describing what apocalyptic literature is, because now we're kind of moving from that epistle Mm -hmm. part of the book of Revelation to apocalyptic literature, which is to be read a certain way. Yeah, so once we finish the message of the churches, uh, starting in chapter four, you've got this style of literature that we in the 21st century are not very familiar with. Uh, But the churches would have been familiar with this. And even we've seen a little bit of it before. Mm -hmm. We've seen some glimpses of it in Daniel and Zechariah. Uh, But this was actually a style of literature that was common in this period of time. It was common uh, that it wasn't just a Christian style of literature. It was like poetry or something like that that was used. And the style of literature had a few characteristics to it that we need to know in order to see what's happening here. Um, apocalyptic literature was not meant to be taken literally. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus is called a lion, he's not an actual lion. (laughs) Okay, and we know that already. But there's other things in here that sometimes we take literally. It actually wasn't meant to be. It's supposed to be symbolic. Right. Uh, Yeah, so as we're reading reading apocalyptic literature, if something is meant to be taken, like we should look at it as a whole. mm -hmm. So not some things are meant to be taken taken literally and some things are meant to be taken figuratively. Right. Um, Uh, It's also not chronological. Um, yes, I was going to say that. It's actually very repetitive in nature and, and almost cyclical that we might come across things in this book that were like, wait, I thought that already happened. Because it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same message over and over again. So it's not meant to, you, we're not meant to be, take this as a timeline, a, a playbook of future history, mm-hmm. that this happens and this happens and this happens. It's, it's actually never designed that way. Right. Um, and even, I mean, we are reading a chronological Bible. But we're reading the book of Revelation as a whole in this mm-hmm. Bible. But as we keep going, we'll see some things that have already happened. Mm-hmm. But John's just having all these separate vi- – am I right when I say that? John's having, like, separate visions of different things. I think he he's – yeah, he's having a vision, but it's not nece- – that vision is repetitive. It's, it's not, not like necess- in order. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, there, there's a – you're going to see a lot of symbols, numbers, colors. <laughs> um, and there's actually some interesting things here that in apocalyptic literature, some of these symbols came with set meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is really brilliant of God uh, that he did, he, he took a form of literature that was common for them, and then he also blended into it imagery from Scripture. Mm-hmm. So y- it's interesting. In apocalypse literature, say the number 12, it actually already did mean church. Mm-hmm. It meant, you know, people who worship God. But if we look throughout Scripture— and we see times that 12 has appeared, it still meant church. Like mm-hmm. we got the 12 disciples, 12 apostles, 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so God did this amazing thing that he took a style of literature and blended in scriptural things. So one of the great questions that we can ask ourselves when we see the symbols or colors or um, seals or trumpets, we can say, where have we seen this before? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that actually helps us to understand some of the, these different meanings, uh, which we'll point out a few as we go. Um, but it's just, it's helpful to know that the original readers, the churches, they would have known how to read this book. Yeah. Um, and so we, we just need a little bit of understanding of how to read this. And it, it's, it's a, 
visual representation. It's very bright and uh, intense and, and kind of like things are designed to capture your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And then the purpose, uh, I think we talked about this before, like with Daniel or some other book that dealt with apocalyptic literature and visions and things, but the purpose of like visions, like we remember visions. Mm. So like John's having this vision because he can, he'll remember it. He's going to write it down. Um, Like it's just, we see it, we remember it. Um, So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Do you want to talk about anything regarding the churches before we move into what worship in heaven looks like? Uh, I I think we covered the churches pretty good yesterday. Um, So we have this amazing scene of worship of just a throne room and this uh, person on the throne being surrounded by living beasts and they look all different and they have eyes front and back. And it's kind of weird, but again, we've seen these things before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just kind of this, uh, this picture of amazing glory. It's Mm -hmm. like, there's nothing like this. And that's how we would describe God's throne room. And very quickly we're like, it'd be easy to try to figure out what does this mean and why are there eyes and all this. It's actually, some of this is just meant to say like, this is just the presence of God. Yeah, Like then when some of these creatures show up elsewhere in scripture, it's always in the presence of God. So we just know this is, Revelation is actually a very worshipful book. Mm -hmm. There's so much worship in this book. uh, And the entire scene is almost like this is, you can imagine that it's like the throne room of God is there and just watching this this play or this drama unfold before them. Yeah. Uh, but it's in the it's in the presence of God. It's in the posture of worship. Yeah. And you kind of can follow along with John's emotions. So he, um, so there's these scrolls, and John begins to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. So he's just he's in the presence of God. All these things are happening. Just imagine how he's feeling as he's seeing this vision, and then he has this another extreme emotion of just weeping bitterly because no one's worthy. Um, and I think this happened to, I think, is it Daniel where someone says like, don't weep or mm-hmm. um, something like that? Because uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, Jesus has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and it's seven seals. Um, so then we move into the seals. Right. Which even for the churches that are hearing this, they would have heard like Jesus is worthy because he's conquered. He, mm-hmm. he can open this and they would be like, okay, yeah, we know he, he did this. He conquered on the cross, mm-hmm. conquered sin and death. Uh, and I think even even in the context of this book that does deal with the second coming, we have to remember the most decisive battle in all of Scripture is the first coming. Yeah. That is where the kingdom was inaugurated. That's where sin and death were, de- were defeated. And we're going to see the end of the story in some mm-hmm. some parts. But the worthiness of Christ to do this was part of his first coming. Yeah. And as the, so as these seals are open, I'm just thinking of that too, as the churches are saying, yeah, he is worthy and he has conquered um, the encouragement that they would have felt because of these things that are happening after the seals open these, um, most of them pretty bad things. Um, they would have been like, okay, he's still, mm. he's still the conqueror. He's yeah. still in control. And as we do start to go through like these different seals for the churches, they would, they would be hearing about things that they would be familiar with mm. that would be part of their experience. You know, there's things in here where there's, there's war, there's, uh, there's death. There is uh, things described as economic hardship, uh, the believers in these churches were being persecuted and not able to buy and sell because of their faith. Mm-hmm. There is martyrs. Okay, we know through the New Testament these churches were familiar with people being killed for their faith. Yeah. Uh, so they certainly would have been saying like, "Hey, we see this. Mm-hmm. That we we empathize." And so uh, this some of these bad things that are happening 
there is still this this progression that's going to happen. That there's there's going to be hope. That there's something bigger in the midst of all this difficulty that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about concerning yeah, these? I think uh, the one thing that they might not have been quite as familiar with, the sixth seal does seem a little serious. Yeah. Um, it's like the sky is rolling up, the moon's disappearing. The, <laughs> um, and the fr- there's a phrase there that says the great day of wrath has come. And that is a phrase that we've seen in the, the prophets before that sometimes the prophets would talk about a day of wrath and that might be a, an army overtaking a city or a, a moment of judgment. But when the great day of wrath is talked about in the prophetic literature, that does point towards like final judgment, the events of the second coming. So I don't think they, they, they would have seen like, oh, we know what that is because, well, no, the sun's still here, the moon's still here. That would be something that they would be like, okay, well, this sounds like there's more to come. Right. And that, that, portion and actually our entire reading today ends with a question yeah and it says for the great day of wrath has come who is able to stand yeah now the original readers are going to want to know that answer <laughs> well they have to wait till tomorrow the, the churches are going to want to know <laughs> wait a second reading <laughs> how, how who's going to stand yeah um yeah. this day uh, so that it's uh, a little bit of a cliffhanger in today's episode yeah definitely we are going to get into that tomorrow guys thank you so much for listening today to god's whole story and we'll be back tomorrow bye Revelation 3, beginning in verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you have heard and believe at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church and Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. 
And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the twenty-four elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the twenty-four elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. They sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. 
They sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the living four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being saying, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and famine and disease and wild animals. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for the faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus who were to be martyred, had joined them. I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person, all hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the day of their great wrath has come, and who is able to survive? Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.